the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I have a question. Should we just pretend that everything is okay? I can't do that. That's not how I'm wired. 
I began playing some of Dana Coverstone's, Pastor David Coverstone's messages on this broadcast, and many of you listened to those. And my bias toward wanting to believe that he was speaking the word of God caused me to play them. I chose. I did it. And now we know that just about nothing that he said came to pass. Now, does that mean he's a false prophet? No, he's, he said, I'm not a prophet. I just had these dreams. Dana will have to deal with that in his own heart, in his own life. I know what it is to have dreams and to believe they're from God and to stand on them by faith. I've done that, and they have come to pass. But some have not come to pass, and perhaps it will take a number of years before they do, or they may never come to pass. But when that happens, I have to stop and say, wait a minute, should we just pretend that everything's okay? One of the greatest sins of my life from the time I was a child was defensiveness. Defensiveness. And one of my favorite methods of defending myself was to put back on the other person what I perceived that they were accusing me of. That really blocks all communication. So why are we and why am I in my past? Why have I been defensive? Because I wanted to protect myself. I didn't want to face the music. I didn't want to hear what they were saying. And I have to tell you honestly, there can be no repentance there can be no reconciliation if there is defensiveness. If I choose to defend myself, even though I'm wrong, no progress can be made. There has to be a place where I lay down and you lay down all defensiveness. Now, we're in a very difficult place right now in America because prophets, men and women who claim to be prophets, have spoken many things. And we in the Christian community wanted to believe many of those things because we don't want to see America judged. Last week, the week before, I shared with you what I did not want to see and I was greatly troubled by a great, dark, demonic presence that was beginning to come upon America. 
a spirit of death, of destruction. All I can tell you is that I, I carefully read the scriptures and what I find in the scriptures is that God always judges Sodom and Gomorrah. And America is far more sinful today than Sodom and Gomorrah ever thought of being. They didn't murder 60 million babies in the womb. They didn't start countless wars with other nations and bomb innocent civilians. They have not tried to redefine marriage. They just participated in their wickedness. And they were wicked in Sodom and Gomorrah, and they did deserve to be burned. But you know what? America is wicked too. I can't be defensive about that. I can't say, everything's okay. Everything's going as it should. No, it's not. America is crashing and burning. And what has taken place on this inauguration day will only hasten that judgment of God because the new president of the United States and the new vice president of the United States are firm They want very much an increase in abortion. I think we as, as Christians and I as a pastor have to stop and say, Wishful thinking is not adequate. At some point, we have to honestly say, I missed it. And I do have to say that I missed it. I played Dana Coverstone's messages, some of them. I defended those messages and they have proven to be false. Now, if I'm missing it again today, I'll have to come back and say, you know what, I, I missed it again. They were true. I just didn't understand. But whatever it is, I'm going to be straight up with you. I'm going to be perfectly honest because I don't have time in my life to make any pretend. There's no pretend left in me. It is what it is. America is facing destruction because we are sinners. As a nation, we have turned to the darkness. We've turned to evil. We've turned to the occult. We've turned to murder and, and drugs and the wicked entertainment of our day. So Americans are vegging out on Netflix. They're vegging out on sports, professional sports. They're vegging out on, on the entertainment, even as the Romans did. 
some point we have to stop and say it's time to repent. Now, my words are not welcomed in many quarters. I don't have pastors calling me and saying, Pastor Ray, would you come do a series of meetings for me at my church? Because they know that if I come and do a series of meetings and I'm searingly honest with the Word of God, the church will empty out or be converted, and they don't want to take that risk. One church pastor did invite me to come and do a series of meetings, an Anglican church, and when the bishop found out what I was preaching, he threw me out and told me I was not even welcome to come on the grounds because I was teaching that the gospel of Jesus Christ empowers us to leave our sin. And he said, no, it does not empower us to leave our sin. We will always be sinners saved by grace. Okay, he's lying. At some point, don't we have to say, look, I can't pretend anymore. I want Jesus. I want the gospel of Jesus Christ that cleanses a man or woman's heart, that restores us, that gives to us the gift of righteousness by faith, but it's real righteousness. I want I want the honest truth. I don't know. I'd be interested in if you're listening and you want to go in the live chat, let me know what you're thinking. I'd love to hear from you. What are your thoughts about what's happening in America? And do you think we ought to just pretend that everything is fine in America and go straight ahead as though everything is normal and, and we're in good hands and, and everything's great in America? I think that's pretending. I think that's putting my head in the sand and lying to myself and everybody else. Do I believe that there is going to be a great revival of godliness in this nation? Yes, I do. But I believe that great revival of godliness is going to come out of some very severe pain and discipline to America by the mighty God of heaven. I believe our economy is going to utterly crash and burn. I believe the dollar will be of no value like the Weimar Republic in Germany. We are going to see famine in this nation. We're going to see death. Don't get mad at me because I say this. Unless you too want to just pretend. I, look, we have to live in Reelsville and drop our defense. Stop being defensive. Admit when things are not what they ought to be. Be straight up. I want to share a story with you today that to me is right on point. I know that the Lord has called 
for repentance in this land. And I know that call is going to increase in volume. And we will hear it increasingly as troublous times come upon this nation. Some pastors will begin to get a backbone. And they'll begin to say, look, we do need to repent. And we do need to turn aside. And we did miss it. And we have played games with the gospel. You will hear this. A man chosen by God became king of Israel. He was the first king. His name was Saul. After he had been installed as the king and the prophet Samuel had been removed, The Lord gave Saul a message through Samuel and said, I want you to go and destroy the Amalekite nation because of what they've done to Israel. So Saul summoned the army. It was a huge army, more than 200,000 men, a powerful army. And Saul attacked the Amalekites. He took Agag, king of the Amalekite, alive. Well, he had been instructed to execute the king and all of the people, to kill them, to destroy the nation. But he spared the king, and he took the best of the sheep and the cattle, the bulls and the lambs, Everything that was good, he saved. They were unwilling to destroy completely according to the word of God. They only destroyed that which they saw as weak and despised. And the word of God came to Samuel. And this was the word. I am grieved. I am grieved that I've made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was troubled and he cried out to the Lord all that night. So Samuel is so upset by this word of God to him that he can't sleep. All he can do is lay on his face before God and plead for God's mercy. But early in the morning, Samuel went to find Saul. And when he got to Mount Carmel, there Saul had set up a monument in his own honor to congratulate himself on the great military campaign. And then he'd gone down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him in 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter, Verse 13, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord's instructions. Oh, now we find religious talk, cheap talk. Do you know what I'm talking about? Most of the prayers that you'll hear in church are just 
cheap God talk. Religious language. But they don't mean it. It's just ritual language. That's why some people say to me, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. Well, yeah, you do. Just say whatever you have on your heart to God. Just talk to him. He wants you to talk to him. He's your father. You don't have to. And they say, well, Pastor, I can't, I can't string all of these words together that sound so wonderful. No, get honest with God. I'll never forget I was a floor monitor in college. And in that day, in that very conservative college that I attended, at 10 o'clock the lights went out. But you were restricted to your room for study before that. So here I am walking the halls. And on my floor I had a couple very ungodly young men who were right on the edge of beginning to be involved in drug abuse. You know, in the early beginning, they were drinking cough syrup that was very potent. And they were doing other things. It was the start of the drug deal. One night, as I'm walking down the hall, the lights have gone out. The door opens, and this young man summons me. He says, come here, Ray, come here. I went over. He said, would you come in and pray with us? I was utterly shocked. Yes. I slipped through the door, and when I got through the door, I saw that there were about 10 college men in that room. Notice they were all very serious. I said, what's going on? Well, Pastor, we decided to have a prayer meeting. You had a prayer meeting? Yes. Would you, would you help us pray? Well, yes. I'm, I'm happy to help you pray. I said, why don't you just talk to God like you talk to each other? I've never been in a prayer meeting more powerful or potent than I was in that night. These ungodly men began to cry out to God. And there was no varnish. There was no falseness. It was just straight up crying out to God, repenting of their sins repenting of their drug abuse, repenting of lying and cheating and stealing. It was so honest and so straight. I'd never heard men pray like this before. And frankly, I didn't pray because I prayed God talk. I went back night after night, and we held a prayer meeting. The room was soon utterly packed with people. There was these strong, macho college men weeping like babies over their sins. Only the Holy Spirit could have done that. And their lives were utterly changed. They were transformed. 
Saul is talking God talk. He's talking religious talk. The Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord's instructions. Liar, he has not carried out the Lord's instructions. He's pretending that everything is okay. Samuel, on the other hand, has no time for games. He's just straight up. What then is the bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is the lowing of cattle that I hear? And Saul answers, The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. Hear the double talk, the defensiveness, the the blame game. It's the soldiers who did it. I didn't do it. I'm I'm the commander-in-chief, but they don't listen to me. The soldiers did it. It was their fault. Samuel again cuts right to the chase. He says, stop. Enough. Stop it. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Oh, tell me. Tell me, I want to hear what the Lord said last night. Liar. Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, Go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until they have been wiped out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Oh, my brother, my sister, somewhere we've got to start talking like this. We've got to stop pretending that everything's okay. We've got to stop just doing church. We've got to stop the polite dishonesty and the defensiveness. But I did obey the Lord, Saul says. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. Wait a minute. He's now lying, and he is so accustomed to lying, he can't even differentiate between truth and lie. That's what happens when we've been utterly defensive. We lose the ability to tell the difference between the truth and the lie. And we think that because we say it, it's true. But that's not what makes truth. Truth must have a basis in reality. Truth must have some foundation under it. He says, I completely destroyed the Amalekites but I brought back their king. Then you didn't completely destroy the Amalekites, did you? You saved the king. Who else did you save? And who else did you let slip out? He says, The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder of the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. So he's saying, Look, all we did was save these cattle so we could offer them to God. Does God want those wicked people's cattle? No, he does not. It's all make-believe. It's 
It's theater. And most of what goes on in the Christian church in America is theater. I don't mean to be offensive, but most of what goes on in the church is just theater. It's, it's these, how do I describe this? I listen to some pastors pray and I want to vomit because their words are so pleasing and so loving and so pleasant, but I know that's not who they are because I've talked to them in private and their sound was very different and their words were very different. I watched how they spoke when they were defending themselves. Very different. He's blaming the soldiers. And Samuel Samuel replies to him, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Many of our churches in America have had their lampstand removed and nobody even noticed as the Holy Spirit departed. Oh, we have beautiful Hill song. We have beautiful music. We have we have articulate pastors. We have strategies for success. But devoid of repentance, devoid of calling men and women to turn from devoid of confrontation. Everything is is smooth and easy. Everything is comfortable. Tell me what your needs are and I'll meet your needs. Well, brother, my need is to not go to hell. My need is to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. My need is to sacrifice my life on the altar to be a living sacrifice. Those are the needs. Not some lying word to tell me how to get more money or how to be more successful or how to be happier in the wickedness of my heart. I don't need that. I need brutal, straight, loving honesty. I wonder, does the Lord delight in our skinny jeans and t-shirts as we stand and preach, Mr. Preacher? Does the Lord delight in the sound of the band and the smoke machine, the fog machine, the stage lights, the strobes? Does God want all of that? Is that what he requires for worship? Or does he want us simply to obey his word and to lay down our defenses 
and begin to get honest with him about who we are, what we're about. Rebellion is like the sin of divination. Arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. In America, the church has rejected the word of God. Almost universally. We don't want to hear the straight word of God anymore. We want to hear comfortable things that tell us that God loves us unconditionally. We want to hear that that God hates our sin, but he loves us as sinners, and we're going to always be sinners, but it's okay. God loves us. We're saved. We're on our way to heaven. Really? Are we really okay? Are we just pretending we're okay? Is it okay to just pretend? No. Because we've grieved the Holy Spirit from the church in America. We know how to do the song and the dance. We know how to use the God words. We know how to pretend. Isn't it time we got honest with each other and with God and stop the pretending? Now, Saul, he's been found out. Samuel's confronted him very, very honestly and and hard. He's confronted him for his sin. And Samuel has spoken the word of God to the king. And Saul says, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instruction. Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is he going to get honest now? Is he going to confess? Is he going to truly repent and turn from his wickedness? And will God have mercy on him? I can hear Samuel in his heart saying, wow, is he going to finally get honest with me? He says, I was afraid of the people, so I gave in to them. Such an honest confession. I was afraid I would lose my place as king if I didn't listen to the people. Now I beg you, forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Pretending again. I've said I'm sorry. Now, why can't we just go back and pretend that everything's okay? I was afraid of the people. I gave in to them. Okay, forgive me for my sin. Understand, I did wrong. I shouldn't have done that, but I did it. So come back with me so I can worship the Lord. Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. 
you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. There is judgment upon you. There is judgment upon the church in America. There is only one way out of that judgment, and that is honest repentance and being crucified with Jesus Christ, giving up our worldly ways, our worldly lust. There's only one way we're going to be able to deal with all of this, and that is to be totally entered into the death of Jesus Christ. We're going to have to give up our life as a church. So Samuel turns away. He starts to walk away from this mess. He doesn't want anything to do with it. Saul reaches out. He's a powerful man. He reaches out. He catches a hold of the hem of the robe of Samuel. And the robe tears. Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie. He does not change his mind, for he's not a man that he should change his mind. And Saul replied, I have sinned. But he's so defensive. Do you understand? Confession of sin accompanied by excuses and defensiveness are null and void before Almighty God. If you say to me, yes, I have done this. I have sinned against God, but I couldn't help myself. You just voided your repentance. If you say, I know I should not be taking these drugs, but I can't help myself. You're playing a victim. And God's not going to have anything to do to help you. Oh, but pastor, I was able to get rid of this and I was able to stop doing that. I, I turned aside from fornication. It's just these... No. Human effort can accomplish a great deal in the life of a person. Ungodly men regularly see when it is to their benefit that they stop a certain behavior and they immediately cut it off because they know it's going to cost them money. It's going to cost them time. They want to get ahead, so they'll cut it off. No, when we're baptized into Jesus Christ... We give up our life. And we now offer the members of our body, our hands and our feet, our mouth, our tongue. We offer everything to Jesus. He's saying, I have sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Please come back and pretend that everything's okay so that everybody will honor me because... I'm the king, and everybody should, should respect me. Look. 
pretend everything's okay. Samuel, Samuel, will you will you come back with me and pretend that everything's okay? No. No, everything is not okay. God has judged you. God has judged the American church. Everything is not okay. I have sinned. But please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. All I want to do is worship God. Really? No, you want honor before your people. You don't want to worship God. Worship God with true and honest confession of sin, with true repentance, with true dying, and being nailed to that cross with Jesus Christ, and going through that cross and living a life victorious, different, because the old life is gone, it's finished, it's over. So Samuel finally makes the decision. He will go back with Saul, but it is not to honor Saul before the people. He has another agenda. Saul worshiped the Lord. Empty human worship. Pretending that everything's okay. That was not. That was not what Samuel did. He did not go and stand with Saul while they worshiped the Lord. He had no interest in participating in empty rituals. The band might play. The music might flow. The beautiful strobe lights are going. The smoke machines are cranking. A godly person will say, I have no interest in all that. I have no interest. But notice, notice where Samuel's interest was. Bring me Agag, king of the Amalekites. Agag came to him confidently thinking, surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so your mother will be childless among the women. And Samuel put Agag to death before the Lord at Gilgal. Now that was Holy Spirit worship. Holy Spirit worship is when we stop pretending. I know of men who come to worship the Lord, give their tithes and offerings, but they have a mistress on the side. Or they're shacked up with somebody they're not married to. Or they're cheating at the workplace. Or they're drinking and carousing with the buddies, going to the nightclubs. As one pastor said to me, I know how to hang with the world and I know how to hang with Jesus. It's important that we know how to do both. No, it's not. No, it's not. No one was ever saved by your hanging with the world, mister.
Samuel immediately left. He did not stick around. He did not sit down and eat with Saul. Saul went up to his home. Samuel went to be with the Lord. He did not go to see Saul again. But Samuel mourned for Saul. And the Lord was grieved that he'd made Saul king of Israel. I don't want the Lord to be grieved that he gave me this radio broadcast. I don't want the Lord to be grieved that he has moved in the people's hearts to give and provide so that we could continue on the air. I don't want the Lord to be grieved because I've been dishonest or I've been defensive. It's hard not to be defensive when somebody comes and gets in your face and tells you what a lousy job you did. You know, I, I kind of go by a, a funny standard. It says, if somebody calls me a donkey, okay. If a second person calls me a donkey, I better pay some attention. If a third person tells me I'm a donkey, I'm a donkey. Feedback comes. And often it comes at the direction of the Lord. And when we choose to be defensive, either the person who is speaking is describing their own inner being and their own heart and they're putting it out on you, or they're speaking some measure of truth. And we have to sort through that and listen and not be defensive and say, well, wait a minute. I better pray about this. I better consider this. I don't have time anymore to be defensive. I don't have an interest anymore in defending anything except Jesus and the cross and the gift of righteousness. I will defend to the death the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I want the ruling power of God to be exercised over the church, over my life, over your life. I don't have time to be defensive. I don't have the energy to be defensive. not willing to pretend that everything's okay. Everything is not okay in the United States of America. We're in deep trouble. God's judgment is upon this nation now. It's upon our finances now. 
The judgment of God is upon our churches. And there needs to be a wholesale listening to the rebuke of Scripture to Sodom and Gomorrah. Listening to the rebuke of the Apostle Paul in Timothy when he speaks about in the end day there will be people who call themselves Christians, who fellowship in the church, who have a form of godliness, but no power. And I can't pretend I have power when I don't have power. And I'm crying out to God about that. There's going to have to be a very significant change in the church in America. We have exported to every nation in the world the evil, sinning Christian theology. It is a lie, and we have exported it. We have exported our name it and claim it, our prosperity thinking. Africa is being utterly corrupted by American preachers. And now African preachers have adopted these strategies for success and are living like kings among their poor people, driving their Mercedes, living in their mansions in Africa. Same thing has happened in America, but we exported it. My heart is broken today by what I see happening in America and what I see happening in the church. My heart is also broken for what has not happened in my life. I've listened to, and David Wilkerson was my pastor. He was my father in the faith. I've listened to his sermons. I've sat and spent many hours before he passed talking and praying together in his office in New York. Leonard Ravenhill, I've listened to many of his sermons. I've listened to these men as they have grieved over the absence of the Holy Spirit in the church. The church has become a business. Pastors have become CEOs, program managers, program directors. Not preaching the fiery message of repent from your sin. The judgment of God is upon us. you tired like I am of pretending? I even hear some men who pretend that they're righteous and then I see their judgmental attitude. I see their 
their harshness with their family, with their wives. And I say, who are you kidding? You're not righteous. At some point, brothers, sisters, we're going to have to read the scriptures for what they are, and we're going to have to become like Samuel and speak honestly to the people and call them to solemn assemblies, to call them to cry out and to pray, to seek the face of God somewhere soon, or America will cease to exist. Well, we're out of time for today. I'll be back tomorrow, God willing, to speak about repentance. For it is the first and the last word of the gospel to be made righteous, to be made holy. I'd love to hear from you if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to participate in helping this message to go out to America. Would you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, or would you go to nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com, Click on the upper right-hand corner and you can give online. Would you subscribe to this channel if you're listening regularly? You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. God bless you, my brother and my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.